So today we're going to finish this sermon series titled Made for More. We've been doing this series. This has been a seven-part series, and, and, and I'm actually kind of excited about what God has for us today. But if, if you, you missed some of these, or, or maybe today's your first day, and you're like, man, I, I really like that, go to our website, vineyard05.com. You can get caught up and, and find out where we were at, how we got to this sermon today. But what we're going to do today is we're going to tackle a tough issue when it comes to our relationship with God. You know, this entire series was designed to help us to understand that, that we are all made for more than what we are currently doing for God. And, and sometimes that sounds like a, like a negative connotation, right? Like you could be doing more. But what it means is some of us, we're all in different places in our faith. And some of us, and some of, hey, did you guys get the camera just by chance? Okay. Sorry, just had a little freak out. <laughs> and some of us, some of us are doing the stuff. I mean, we are like, we're involved in ministry, we're practicing our music, we're sharing the gospel, we're leading a life group, like, like you're doing it. Some of us have just got done doing some stuff and we're, we're kind of in a rest period. And some of us, well, like God is saying, hey, I, I got some things for you to do if you would just respond to my voice. And so that's what I mean by, like, we're all made from, we can all, like, the Christian life should never plateau. We'll never reach a point to where there's nothing more for us to do for God. God always has something to do. And, and so for the, the last several weeks, we've looked at different areas within the kingdom of God on how we can accomplish this more part of life. You know, more than anything, God wants to see us succeed. He wants to be a part of our lives, and he wants to be able to bless us abundantly. I feel extremely blessed in my life. You know, and in America, we equate a blessing to money. I don't. I equate my blessing to what it is that God is pouring into me. And so some of the things, if, if we want to succeed, if we want God to be with us, if we want him to pour into us, if we want to receive those blessings, well, we have to do our part as well. And some of that is what we covered the past several weeks. For instance, we need to discover what our part is in God's redemptive story of mankind. What is it that God wants me to do in helping bring people to him? It's, a, it's an ongoing story while we're still here on this earth. Or another part of it is saying yes to what it is that God wants me to do when it comes to joining him in this story. Some of it is, is just taking care of ourselves spiritually, making sure that we're in a good place spiritually, that we're resting well, we're, we're, we're in a good place with God, loving unconditionally. That was the sermon that was really tough, I thought, challenged me, loving people unconditionally. Only the power of God can help us with that, right? And then seeking the presence of Jesus. We can't go through life as a believer, as a Christian, and not seek the presence of Jesus on a daily basis. And so these are all different ways that, that we can find what our true calling and purpose in the kingdom of God is here on this earth. But but what do we do when life throws us a curveball? What do we do when, when, when all of this stuff is kind of in order and now we really need 
God to move on our behalf. What do we do? What do we, like, like how about this one? Has, has anyone ha- ever had a time in life when things couldn't have been going any better and then all of a sudden you're faced with the question, is, is this God's will for my life? Is this it? Is this, is this what I have to, to go through? Is this his will for me? And now let's dial that in a little bit more. What do we do when we're wrestling with the tension with God when it comes to needing a healing? Like how many of us have prayed for a healing and it never came? How many of us prayed for a healing and it came? And then we looked at that person and we were like, how cool about me, God? There's, there's, I call that, that's tension. That's, that's kingdom tension in life. And we'll, we'll kind of expand on that a little bit more. But the reason I want to spend time on this today is because I think this is one of those subjects that the enemy will use to get us to give up on God. Right? As Christians, we have an enemy out there. There is a devil that runs rampant in this world that hates God and hates God's creation. And as human beings, as mankind, we are the pinnacle of God's creation. We are the ones that he created to have fellowship with. And so there is a devil and there are demons all over and there are God's angels everywhere too, but they want us to give up on God. So how do we walk this out when we need God? but we don't sense God. And then also, another reason we're doing this today is because it it is good for us to know that within the confines of the naturally supernatural tension with the kingdom of God that we find ourselves wrestling with, there is an element of mystery about God. And I don't mean so mysterious that we'll never figure them out and so spiritual that we'll never reach. But it's this mystery. Like, what do you mean, Chip, this naturally supernatural tension? Well, listen, as human beings and as Christians, we live in both the natural and the supernatural world. What do you think happened when we did some ministry time before this sermon? The supernatural world broke into some of your natural lives. And you had an experience with the kingdom of God, an experience with God's Holy Spirit. What happened here was a naturally supernatural experience. There's people in the natural going into the water, and then this supernatural part of God's kingdom crashed into our lives and and changed some people. Those of you that have been water baptized, you, you know, I mean, how many of you don't get a little teary-eyed and, and, and full of joy when you see somebody get water baptized? Because you remember what happened when you got water baptized, and now you're seeing this for somebody else. So it's this naturally supernatural life that we, that we walk in as Christians, and there's tension in that. Because now we, we need a healing. And we're wrestling with God, like, God, where's my healing? God, where's my miracle? Where's that job that I need? Where's that, that you know, what I need, God? Where, how is my marriage going to get restored, God? I need a miracle. How do we deal with the tension of the answer that we're looking for? 
So we're going to bookend this sermon with a passage from Ecclesiastes. And this is a passage that God placed in my spirit like not too long ago. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my goodness, no wonder, God, you, 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 you showed this to me because I needed this. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Did you catch that? We don't know what God is always doing from the beginning to the end of our lives, from the beginning to the end of certain chapters of our lives. We don't always see what he's doing. That's what I'm calling the mystery. This is the mystery of God's will, that he is always working, no matter how bad a situation may seem. He is always working on our behalf. We just can't see what he's doing. One of the things that gets Jesus' attention with people is his ability to heal. Part of his redemptive work on the cross was the fact that our bodies would be made whole. His was broken so that ours could be made whole. The need of a, of a healing for, is, is an area of desperation for people, right? Like, like, like from the slightest of hangnails to a to a, to a terminal disease, right? We, we beg for a healing. Like, oh, please, God, this really hurts. And then we're lying in a hospital bed. Please, God, please help me. Healing is an area of desperation. And, 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 and here's this. Regardless of whether somebody follows Jesus or not, how many times as a Christian have you had a non-Christian, co-worker, friend, family member, whatever, say, hey, can you pray for so-and-so, right? Because there's something. God has planted eternity in the human heart. And whether or not we believe in Jesus, there is something in there that says, my friend's a Christian, and, and I, I, I think God might hear my request through them, right? Even, even, even non-believers will throw up a prayer for Jesus for healing, because there's something in us that says God can do this. It's a last-ditch effort, like, kind of like a Hail Mary, right, in football. Now, I am not always 100% certain that God is going to do the healing. Like, if I'm being honest, one of the things that I hate praying for is a healing. Because we don't know if God's going to move. And vineyard theology says, we don't know either. When you go to Bible school in the vineyard, their thought on this is, yeah, we, we, we just don't know. We, we don't know when God's going to show up, and we don't know if he's going to do the healing. We just don't know. And I thought, you know what, That's, you, you are this big-wig theologian, and your answer is, I don't know. I call that a mystery. It's okay to say, I, I don't know if God's going to move right now. But here's what I do know. I will walk this out with you. I will be beside you. I will be praying for you. And then here's what else I know. It comes from 1 John chapter 5. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. I am confident that when I pray for a healing for somebody or myself, 
that God hears me. I am confident in that. I know that. Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him, what pleases him? Well, in Romans chapter 12, we are told that God's will for us is good and pleasing and perfect. Everything I'm, I'm preaching here comes from the New Living Translation, so I'll make sure it all ties into the New Living Translation. So what John is saying is that God hears us when we ask for anything according to his will. His will for our lives is what pleases him. Maybe it's not his will that we receive the healing just yet. It's not that he's up there going, I, I want you to suffer for a little bit longer. I enjoy watching you suffer. That's, that's not it. And, and again, with that mystery part of it, right? But here's what we can be confident in. We can be confident that he hears us. We can be confident in our approach to him. We are to come boldly to God with thanksgiving and make our requests made known to him. We have a thankful attitude. We come to God. I need a healing. God, I need a, I, I need a miracle. God, I need you to hear me on this. And we know that he hears us. I need you to move, God. And in this, this attitude of thanksgiving, these requests being made known to him, these conversations that we're having with him. In this, we find out what his will is for us. And this is where that tension of God's mysterious nature comes into play. I lately have not really been enjoying the tension of God, but I have been learning to embrace it. Because I know that somehow he's helping me grow. I won't, I don't, it's not fun in, in the process. You know, like when you prune a plant, the plant is probably like, hey, you just cut half of me off. But I know that in a few more months you're going to be fuller and you're going <laughs> to <gonna, laughs> look better. And you're going to be stronger. Some of these branches were kind of going in directions I didn't want them to go, so I had to prune them off. That makes sense? But here's the thing. Here's another thing, too. No matter who we are or what we have done, we can boldly approach Jesus with our requests. He allows us to come to him with the utmost confidence. So I want to read a passage from Luke chapter 5, and then we're actually going to watch a video that will bring this story to life. So Luke chapter 5, verse 12. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. This was unheard of. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. 
So that, that second part, I'll just give a quick explanation because it it's not going to have anything to do with our message today. But if you had leprosy, if you had an illness or you were sick, you had to go to the priest as a Jewish person. You had to go to the priest and you had to kind of get his stamp of approval that you are healed. It was like a certificate, like saying, hey, hey, I can come into public now. I'm clean. As a leper, you had to yell, unclean, unclean. You were isolated from society. And, and Jesus allowed this man to come boldly into his presence. And then Jesus touches him and heals him. See, that's who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't care about all the baggage we have, about all the dark things we've done when we approach him. He just cares that we're approaching him. He cares more about the relationship. He'll clean all that other stuff in our lives up as the relationship grows. But see, leprosy was an incurable skin disease, and this man was not allowed to be around people at all for fear of infecting them. And again, he had to yell, unclean, unclean. And he was in the advanced stages. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming like he's just, ugh, his skin was rotting. Just, he, just, he was probably a sight to see. I doubt this man had any hope left. So what I want to do is I want to show you a clip from, has anybody here heard of The Chosen, the, 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 the story of Jesus? If you haven't, I think it's the best rendition of, of explaining Jesus and the disciples and the gospel. You can download the app, I think Angel Studios or The Chosen, it's, and you can watch the series. But, but I wanted to show this to you because I, I believe that it just, just kind of brings this story to life. So can we play that clip? It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you can't handle this disease. You Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. I know you can heal me if you are willing. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. 
What can I, what can I ever do? No. Do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. Oh. <laughs> Not too shabby. I think that scene demonstrates the compassion that Jesus has for mankind. You know, they pulled their knives, they wouldn't breathe his air, and Jesus walked right up to him. You ever have that feeling when somebody can, you just like, man, they're staring right into my soul. Jesus sees right into our souls. He sees the hurt. He sees the loneliness. Maybe if you're not getting the answer that you want to prayers, maybe it's because Jesus is like, listen, I know you can do this. But that to me is compassion. But in that compassion is the mystery of God's will. Some of us in this room may be facing a, a diagnosis that, like this man, and, and you feel helpless. Some of you may know a family member or somebody who, who, who's dealing with the late stages of, uh, in advanced stages of a sickness, or, or, or maybe facing a, a terminal illness. Or how about, how about we talk about something that we all can relate to. The fear of COVID still has a grip on some people. And the fear is legitimate because how many of us will go up and talk to somebody when they say, hey, I've got COVID? I'm not. <laughs> you know, you're not allowed to go to work. You got to stay away from people. Start talking about COVID and everyone understands what it means to not be allowed around other people. And it is terminal to some. It's a bad cold to others and it's, it's all over the place. And so, like, you could take a story like this and kind of bring it into a relatable situation with where we're at. Like, COVID brings a sickness like leprosy to a reality. There's isolation. There's fear. Will this be terminal? What will the effects be? Will I be labeled as unclean? When will this be done? And what does Jesus do in this story? He approaches the man. He touches the man. And as the man boldly but humbly seeks Jesus for a miracle, the man says, if you are willing... And Jesus' response is, I am willing. 
and he heals the man of an incurable, isolating, isolating disease. Imagine what that man felt like when Jesus hugged him. Not just another human being, but the Son of God who just healed you, embraced you. Now, how do we navigate through what I'm calling the mysterious realm of seeking God's will for a healing? Well, by using this story as an example, I would say that we come to Jesus with boldness, but with humility. In verse 12, when the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. There was some reverence there. There was humility there. There was, if you are willing, there. You know, how many times, how many times do we take Jesus for granted in telling him to move on our behalf? How many times do we take the relationship with him for granted? Like, some of you are familiar with the name it and claim it. You know, that's not bad, but, but we, we, are, we are telling the creator of the universe what to do for us. I don't know. It works for some, but for me, I'm kind of like, well, you know, and then also years ago, there was this thing that said, you know, if you're praying for healing for somebody, don't, don't ask God if it be your will, they be healed. And then it was like, well, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm unsure if God will heal this person, but really I am. What did the man say in the story? If you are willing. And in that, he got his answer. Jesus said, I'm willing. See, I, I practice and I preach to, to live in expectation. I want to expect God to move on my behalf. I believe that's a positive, it's a thanksgiving attitude. I want to expect God to move on my behalf. I want to live with an expectation that God is going to grant my requests. But I know that they're not always going to be answered. Because we don't get to just boss Jesus around for our benefit. The man in the story humbly asked for a miracle, and he received it. Now, let's just be honest. How many times have we humbly asked for a miracle, and we did not receive it? We, we, we just, we don't know what, we don't know what happened. Why, why aren't you answering my prayers, God? We, well, you know what? I got news for you. You're in good company. We are in good company. Because here comes the tension of God's will for us. I want to read something from Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 42. This is Jesus, and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And not too long from now, he's going to be arrested, falsely accused, beaten, punched, interrogated, and eventually crucified, nailed to a cross. And he knows all of this is going to happen. But listen to this. Luke 22, verse 42. This is Jesus. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, 
And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. I don't think it's ever not appropriate to ask God to take away our suffering, to remove this suffering I'm dealing with. It's never not appropriate. Like, man, keep praying that prayer. But here we have Jesus himself at the doorstep of the most agonizing of moments, and he is asking God to remove this cup of suffering from me. If it's possible for you to find another way out of this, I will gladly travel that road. That's what he's saying. But in his next breath, he says, but Father, I want your will to be done, not mine. I want to take the easy route, Dad, but I know what I have to do. But. (laughs) God didn't answer his prayer, did he, from removing that cup of suffering. He he didn't answer that prayer. Now, Now, please hear me on this, church. It is not God's will that we become sick. God does not put a sickness on us as part of his will for us. That is not God's will for us. We live in a fallen world. The trust between mankind and God was broken in the, in the, in the, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And, and, and in crept sin. And in crept death and disease and destruction and, 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 and crime and bad things and all of this stuff is, is, is uh, uh, the result of sin. And we live in a fallen world where, where everything is decaying. Our bodies, our appliances, the earth, Everything. And until Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom, we have to deal with that. That's why we become sick. It's not a part of God's will that somebody deals with cancer, that somebody deals with COVID, that somebody deals with leprosy. It's not his will, okay? Now, however, God may have a plan for our lives that involves some hardship. If you want to travel a road... (laughs) with a lot of tension and stuff in your life, become a pastor. (laughs) It's not easy. If you want to travel a road that is not very easy, become a police officer. You want to travel a road where you often feel misunderstood, pick one of those professions. God may have a will for our lives that isn't going to be the easiest road to travel. And you know what? I couldn't think of anything better to do. There is nothing more satisfying than being a pastor, and I didn't choose it. God called me into it. He called me to this church. He saved my life. And I am forever grateful for that. And everything that happens as a result of that that is tense and, you know, stuff and people, we're all in this together... I I love every bit of it. We wouldn't do the things that we do if we didn't have a passion for it. I look at the Old Testament prophets, read some of their stories. Boy, howdy, did they have to go through some stuff. I'll never, I'm not going to get into it. Ezekiel, Ezekiel had to cook food with animal dung as a result of showing the people how unclean they are. Really, God, that's what you want me to do? I just, it, one kind of cracks me up. Hosea had to marry a prostitute to show the people 
what they are to God. These are not easy roads to travel. Look at Jesus. Look at the disciples. They were all put to death for their faith in Jesus, for preaching the gospel, except John. He was isolated in prison on an island for life. To be a Christian means that we have a tougher road to travel because we're following Jesus. Now, God did not answer Jesus' request, okay? And he, he may not be answering yours right now either, but what did God do in that moment? He sent an angel to strengthen Jesus. And what did Jesus do as a result of that? He prayed more fervently. Do you think the angel helped? Yes, absolutely. God will often send an angel to minister to us, or maybe even his Holy Spirit to minister to us when we're traveling down a road that is not so pleasant to travel down. God sends help. And here's the thing. He's going to answer our requests when it comes to a healing or a miracle in one of three ways. Yes, no, wait. We all want the yes. But when he says no or wait, we should never stop seeking the miracle. Because God will never abandon us in our time of need. He is always there with us. He, he didn't... He didn't he didn't leave Jesus. He was there for him. He's going to send an angel, the Holy Spirit. He's going to minister to us in our hour of need. He's going to make sure that we have the spiritual nourishment to make it through the hardship because that's what a loving God does. He is a loving Father in heaven who wants nothing but the best for his children. There's nothing better than receiving a miracle from God. I mean, that is the absolute best. But when you get a no or when you get a wait, then we have to be on the lookout for what is it that God is doing in the midst of this. Because he's always trying to teach us. He's always trying to reveal things to us. He wants what's best for us. He always wants to turn the bad into something good. We just have to pay attention to where he's at and when that's happening. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. But wait a minute. Suffering in a manner that pleases God, what in the world does that mean? Well, in the New Living Translation, the phrase pleases God or is pleasing to God is another way of saying uh, God's will. So the King James will say, if you are suffering according to God's will. Again, it's not God's will that you deal with a sickness, but you may be traveling a road that isn't the best road to travel, and that is a part of God's will for your life because he knows that you're the one who can carry out this mission. It. And if you're suffering in a way like that, never stop doing what is good. My favorite passages is in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Never give up on doing good, for at just the right time, your blessing will come. Your blessing will come. And God will never, ever, ever 
fail you. And while you're walking in the confidence of knowing that he will never fail you, we have scripture to see us through this. Psalm 27, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave, be courageous in your wait. The waiting is the hardest part. Who listens to Tom Petty? The waiting is the hardest part, but, but in the wait, never give up. Never give up while we're asking Jesus for a healing, while we're seeking his presence in the midst of suffering. We must never stop knocking at the door that Jesus stands at, seeking that miracle, looking for that answer. Because Proverbs 8, God tells us, I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. Never stop seeking, knocking, asking God for that miracle. When you're searching for him, when you're looking for his presence, when you don't feel that he's there, never stop looking and searching for that presence because Proverbs 8.17 says, those who search will surely find me. And there is an enemy out there that wants us to give up. And when we don't find God, it's usually when we've given up. He's always there for us. And maybe he's just so close and you've got to press in just a little bit more. There's nothing more sacred than when a human being is in the presence of their creator. That is one of the most sacred of moments. When I am so caught up with the presence of Jesus, there is nothing, nothing that can keep me from carrying out the mission he has called me to do because it is so sacred. It's just, it just is. I can't explain it. There is no greater bond than the creator and his creation. And Jesus is the best example. We have when suffering on this earth. His word is where our hope comes from. Listen to this in, in, in Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to kind of read it fast. but While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. He was crying. He was pleading. He was in tears. God, please, please, I don't want to go through this. Nevertheless, your will be done. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. This is sacred moments right here. Even, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Because of his obedience to allowing himself to be nailed on the cross, he now becomes the high priest in heaven who can forgive us of our sins, heal us of our sicknesses, and walk us through the darkest of moments of life. Only Jesus can do that. God heard Jesus' prayers because of his deep reverence for the Father. God sent an angel to strengthen Jesus in his time of need. He didn't leave him. And in his suffering, Jesus learned obedience. He learned what the will of God was for him 
in that moment, the will that was perfect and pleasing and good. We must trust God. But even more than that, to enter into his presence, we have to revere him. Without reverence, there is no presence of God. We cannot take our relationship with Jesus for granted. Without reverence, there is no presence. There is no sacred moments if you don't revere him. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. What does that mean? That means that God understands when you hold me to the highest of steams, when, when you understand that to enter my presence is sacred ground, when you believe that I am the one who hears your prayers and answers your prayers and sees you through the darkest of moments, I will reward you for that. That is who a loving God that we serve is. Let that sink in for a minute. When you seek his presence, when you desire to be with him, he rewards us for that. So we'll close it with this. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what tomorrow will bring for me, for you. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know what hardships may come my way. I don't know. I don't know what's in store for me. But what I have learned is that I need to embrace the mystery of God's will and seek his presence in all that I do because that is the only thing that will keep the sanity restored. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the heart of man. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. We don't always know what God is doing in the midst of our trial from beginning to end. We don't always know. But we must never give up on seeking his presence. Amen? Let's pray. Man, Lord God, I just thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the lives that were just radically changed here today, God. I thank you for your word, I thank you for the little nuggets of hope that we have in your word because your word is the truth. And nothing rattles the truth. The truth does not change. The truth is firm. The truth is like an anchor. And the truth is solid ground that we place our faith on. And you, Jesus, speak the truth. And for that, I am thankful, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.